Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. This is message, what, eight in this series. You know, we've been going through the core values and beliefs and just basic, the basic foundational teachings of what this church is about. And it's, it's no different than most churches. You know, we want to disciple people. We want to see God glorified through our lives. We want to see God use this body in our community and for each other. We want to walk in love toward one another to the degree that the world pays attention and says, hey, they, you know, I don't know that I'm not sure about that six-day creation and all those animals on that boat thing, but those guys got a lot. There's something different about that group of people. They, the way they love each other, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to convince people through logic and reason, but love will convince them. There's just something about it. It's the strategy that Jesus gave us to reach people. And so, you know, it's, it's a, there's an interesting balance with the church because there is a bit of an inward focus and an outward focus all at the same time. The inward focus is all of us coming in as a body and, and worshiping, you know, fellowshipping. Uh, people coming in, and it's hard to get you guys in here to worship because everybody's out there greeting each other. Somebody said this morning, they're like, you know, we don't have trouble with greeters here. Everybody in this church greets everybody. So. <laughs> But let me just run through real, real quick. Um, the first one was God is good. Is, uh, do we have him ready back there? God is good. And it's pretty simple. God's definition of good is even better than ours. You know, we frame everything through the context of what Jesus accomplished and where we are in him in this new covenant. And God is nothing but good. He's always been good, but the relationship that we can have with him has changed just for the better. Next one, Jesus is enough. You know, you don't have, you didn't earn your way into salvation. You're not going to stumble your way out of it. The only warning that there is about hanging on to your salvation is continuing in the faith. People ask me, can you lose your salvation? Well, I don't know. But the warning that I see is keep believing. If you want to choose to stop believing, I guess that's your prerogative. I don't know what's going to happen at that point. I don't recommend it. But Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for your sin. Does that mean I can just do whatever I want to? Well, that's, that, why, would you, why, would you, why would you go there? You know, that's what religion says. You start preaching the sufficiency of Christ and that you are completely absolved from all of your sin, past, present, and future. God will never hold one thing against you. God is not seeking to condemn you or judge you. He judged everything that you will ever do on the cross, in Christ, and you are completely free from condemnation no matter what. Amen. And if you start thinking about sin when you hear that message, you still got some religious detoxing to do. Because when I hear that message, man, praise God. I just want to live in freedom. Amen? Amen. Jesus is enough. Next, next one. You're a new creation. You know, God did a work within you. He did a surgery within you. He changed the kind of being that you are. Next one. Grace is transformative power. You know, we mix, the, we mix the definitions of mercy and grace. Mercy is you're forgiven. You don't deserve it, but I forgive you. And grace, somebody, I, you know, it's funny how people want to correct every little thing. And 
people, I've heard it said, uh, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. And it's like, I'm okay with that. Did you follow me on that? It's like, I'm okay with that, but grace is not just about getting things. Grace is not just an act from God towards you. Grace is actual power within you. It works on your heart. It empowers you. It strengthens you in your inner man so that you become different. Your ways of thinking change, you know. By the way, if you're, if you're behind on any of these, jump on the website. The podcast is up. Trust God. You know, the two commandments of Christ, the, new, the two new covenant commandments are basically trust God, love God with all your heart, strength, and soul, mind, and love people, love one another. It's the commandment, right? And those two of those are right in the middle of where, what our core values are. Trust God, love people. Love people is our strategy. What are we, what are we doing as a church? What is it that we're going to do? We're going to love people. If we need to organize a homeless outreach to love people, that's what we're going to do. If we need to organize a prayer team that goes down and prays for sick people at the hospital, that's what we're going to do. Are you following me? So the goal is love. The goal is not let's find a program. Amen. Next one. God is active. He's not just sitting there detached from you. He didn't give you the Bible and say, I'm done. He's actually alive and active. Absolutely, we want to live on the Word. The Word of God is valuable and second to none. It is what you go to to adopt your beliefs from. However, the Spirit is alive and active. It's like you put the Word in there so the Spirit can pull it out. Amen? The Spirit can bring illumination. Because if you just have the Word in you, then praise God, you know the Bible. Yay, good for you. I know a lot of people that know the Bible, and they're some of the most corrupt people on the planet. Anyway, and this is where we are today. Church is encouraging. You know, and that, that brings me back to the point of the atmosphere within this body. And it's something that I didn't, you know, we, Sarah and I didn't even really seek to create it because people will say, well, the atmosphere that you've created or this body that you've created, it's like, no, really all we did was have a message that was on our hearts to preach that is still there burning as strong as it was from day one, even stronger and more clear now. And we have just determined to preach that message that God loves you, that you are free in Christ and he is enough. Amen. Leave that one up there, if you would, that last one. And what that does, what we noticed is in a group of people, what that does is when you, when you don't have the programs, see a lot of, and I'm going to say some things today that I, that I wouldn't normally do. I'm not trying to church bash. I'm just trying to show this is what freedom looks like, all right? Freedom looks like you walk in here and we're not going to tell you who you're supposed to be. We're not going to tell you who you can't be. If, you, if we start hearing of messes or you start hurting people or overstepping bounds or bringing in what you think people should be doing, you know, we're going to have a conversation. But freedom can be misinterpreted as a lack of control. Because a lot of places you go and it's like, all right, here's the box. You climb in, so the quicker you get inside this box and conform yourself, the quicker you can rise to the ranks within our body. And we just don't have that. You know, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I want to do some stuff. I want this. I don't know. What, I don't know. what are we doing? What are... And it's like, you know what? You tell me what's on your heart. And I'm, I'm kind of blending this with what we're going to talk about next week. But what we found is when you have a group of people 
and you don't have a bunch of rules and regulations and a culture of condemnation and a culture of a perceived level of supernatural spirituality that you have to rise to and you don't have all these standards that you have to do this in order to fit in here and you basically you lift off all the expectations and you lift off all the rules and I, maybe I'm just too lazy to control you. I don't know. I, I'm just not interested in it, right? People tell me, did you know that this person was doing this? like, no, really? Man, maybe I should sit down and have a talk with them. You know what I mean? We're not up in people's business. But what we found is that when you don't have all of these things that are hovering over you that you wonder if you're doing it right or not, I noticed that pe- it's like people, they, they start, you guys start looking up and you start noticing that there are actually people here. You know, you're not trying to serve a program. You're not trying to serve a system. You're not trying to keep me happy. We don't have some type of structure that you have to climb. And, and you look around and realize, wow, there's, you mean I'm, I'm free? And the first response usually is, man, I, I think I kind of might like talking to that person over there. What are you doing? What's your name? What are you all about? You know what I mean? It, it, the, in other words, the, the focus becomes the relationship and the connections that you have. Like when you think about this place, you probably think mostly about the people that you like that are here. I mean, the, me- the worship is amazing. The messages are going to always point you to Jesus. Some of you might get tired of certain messages over and over. I- I- that's your problem. I don't really care about that. <laughs> You're not going to stop me from talking about Jesus. But the rest of it, you are free. You know, and I don't want you to perceive this freedom as a lack of activity, as a lack of vision, as a lack of definition. It, it really what it is, it's a lack of control. And I'm just going to call, I'm going to give a, I'm just in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I've heard these stories, right? And I'm really not trying to compare. I just want you to know we're not moving this direction. Have you ever been to the church and I say the church in general, where they're standing up front and they call out the list of sins that people are in that church that are backslid are doing and we need to pray for them. You ever been in that church? There are people that have been in that church. It's like from the pulpit, let's pray for brother so-and-so. He's doing this again. We need to pray for him. How about the church where you have a conversation with the pastor and the next week he rebukes you in his sermon? You ever been there? This guy told me a story one time where uh, they were talking, and he was talking about security of salvation. And the whole next week, they even had this big prop. They rolled down the aisle of how you can lose your salvation and to prove this guy wrong. And, and, and it's like, I'm sure we could all go around and swap the stories, right? Swap the horror stories. I, I don't want that happening. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. I, can, I will tell you how people get hurt in this church. And it's because they feel disconnected and feel overlooked. That's the, pretty much the one and only reason that people might get hurt in this church. And honestly, that's not by design. That, that actually is a fruit. See, because what happens is people come in and they have all these different kind of church experiences. And they're testing the waters. I'm coming in. Let me see how I fit. Let me see what this looks like. And I'm kind of everybody's on trial for a little while. <laughs> Nobody's telling me who I'm supposed to be. You know, well, I don't really, I don't, because I don't know who, and I'm being funny. Thank God you're laughing. But, you know, I, because I don't know who I am, 
And the last several churches I went to, they told me who I had to be or they had all this in place and I had to go through these things to figure out who I was. I'm just not going to do that. We're going to tell you who you are in Christ and then as all the chains fall off, as all the religious detox happens, and I can see it, man. You know, you, you know when somebody's detoxing from substance abuse. I can see the religious substance abuse. I mean, the religious detox <laughs> happening. <laughs> The, the religious detox happens. Sam, where's Sam? Is Sam in here? Sam's one of my, one of my favorites. He's like, and again, it's not, about, I'm not, it's not about being right or wrong, but he would come in and he'd say, you know, the first several times I'd come and you'd say something and I'd go to, the, I'd argue with my wife or not argue, but I would tell Keen all the way home why he was wrong and then I'd go home and read the Bible and it's like, you know what? I never thought of it that way. And, and again, I'm not trying to say that I've got it all figured out or that I'm right. It's just when you shift everything through the context of the finished work of Christ, it might cause some convulsions in your brain and in your heart. It's like, wait a minute, but, I, but, but, the, but, but the script, maybe I should see it a little bit differently, you know? Everything has to be reframed through the finished work of Christ. So the point being, when you strip away all of the junk, all of the control, all of the programs, all the expectations, all the stuff that even you think you're supposed to be doing as a Christian, and you can just walk in and experience love from a group of people, enjoy worship, enjoy your life. Now, obviously, a vision can come out of that and a calling can come out of that, which we're going to talk about in, the, in two weeks from today as far as what a calling is. But I'm just talking about your experience here in this place. Really, the only thing that's left is for you to be encouraged in who you are in Christ. Church should be encouraging. You know, I was, I was reading in Acts, and when Paul had his split with uh, Barnabas, and then he hooked up with Silas. He traveled, and what they did was, all they did was travel to strengthen and encourage the churches. You know, yes, of course, in the letters, he rebuked people, but he always rebuked them over going back into performance-based religion. He, the only rebuking that Paul ever did was people that were either improperly using the law on other people, or they were teaching that you had to go back under the law in some form or another. Constantly. Paul constantly was like, am I saying that you can continue in sin? No. God forbid. You know, it, it was like constantly. So the thing about encouragement is that's what's left. And that is, that is my challenge to you in this body. Can you come in here and, number one, let yourself be, in, be encouraged, and then can you encourage others? I'm telling you, it, it, there is a secret in being someone who can lift someone else up. I mean, because you are experiencing such freedom in your life because you understand who you are in Christ that you can encourage others. You know, like I said, I'm not necessarily doing a teaching today. I'm kind of just speaking to the, the atmosphere that I think God is leading this church into. And it's a place for encouragement. It's not a place to come in and, and feel like Okay, to get where I want to go in God, let me learn something new that gets me across the finish line. Or I've got this secret that I'm struggling with, and I don't know who I can talk to or where I can. You know, I want this place to be a place where uh, maybe, maybe I don't, but let me, I almost stopped myself there. <laughs> but it's like people go through some stuff. Yes, they do. What if you had some people that you trusted Instead of 
throwing your stuff on people, you actually sit down and have a conversation with people about where you are. Because, see, a lot of times we don't know how offensive our stuff is. We come in, and because we're so guarded and we're so shielded that we're so reactionary and we're so prickly that as soon as we start to get pushback or as soon as somebody starts to get into our bubble or as soon as we start to let somebody in, man, we just, we just tear them to shreds. Or we come in and we don't know how to be transparent. We don't know how to be open. We don't know how to let ourselves be encouraged. But that's all that's left for a body, right? What if you came to church and you, for the rest of your life and you enjoyed worship and you understood more about who you are in Christ and, it, and, and you had no rules that you were supposed to fulfill from then on? So you might start looking at your life and thinking, all right, what am I going to do then? You know, if, if they're not telling me who I'm supposed to be, what am I going to do with my Christianity? What does that look like? Are, are you following me? Is it making sense to you? Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, you have a say-so in your Christianity. You have a say-so in your life. And I am speaking to this group because I want this place to be a place of encouragement. Now, you guys have been here for a while. You know that I'm, I'm usually just standing up here and telling you who, are, who you are in Christ and I, I rarely speak personally about expectations. But I'm telling you, some of us need to get to a place where we can let ourselves be encouraged and we become encouragers for one another. I predominantly think this is going to happen. Obviously, it happens in a collective gathering like this, but I think it happens in our, our life groups, majorly. You know, we were doing a Wednesday night. Um, essentially, it was a life group for a while. And, you know, it, it was what it was. I enjoyed it. I felt like we fulfilled what God was saying to do for that period of time. And then we stopped for, well, I, you know, I got taken out of commission with the ankle, and then it came time, and people were asking, when are we going to start the Wednesdays again? And, and it's like, all right, well, let me, I don't know. I don't feel quite right about it. And then some of those fe people have filtered off into small groups, and a story got back to me that someone had, that was coming to the Wednesday night connected into a life group and was able to open up and experience much more personal ministry and release of something that we may have never gotten to on a Wednesday night. That's where I'm wanting to see this thing go. I'm wanting you guys to realize church is not about me coming in and playing some game, trying to figure out how to be more spiritual, trying to figure out how to keep God happy. Church is I'm going to come in, I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to come in and worship and, and get to know some people, maybe operate in your gifts collectively here. Some of you aren't operating in your gifts here. Some of you sit on words a, a lot that, that need to be spoken out, either privately or publicly. If, you're, if you don't know, come to me. You know, come to one of our leaders and say, hey, I'm kind of feeling this, and we'll say, yeah, that's God, or we'll say, no, that's dumb, don't say that. <laughs> But here's how you know if it's dumb or not. Is it based in love? Are, are you, are, do you feel like because God loves this person, he wants to say this to them? Will it bring them to the solution that is in Christ? And does it encourage, strengthen, and comfort? That is the atmosphere of ministry within this place. It should be. 
Now, the reason I'm kind of, you know, I'm not doing a teaching, I'm just kind of talking about these ideas is because we're getting, we're moving toward, form, you know, forming up more of a prayer team and more life groups. And it's not programs per se, it's just that we're growing and we do want opportunity for you to get connected to people because that's where real, that's where real church happens, so to speak. You bonding your heart to another person or a group of people and bearing your soul and expressing what you've been through and, and letting those people in and you talk and you pray and you, 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 know, you work things out together. You know, sometimes you just need to say something to somebody that you've never told anybody. You don't have to spill all the beans and you learn your boundaries of this group I can talk about this and this group I shouldn't talk about that. You know what I mean? It's not like you get to come in and you just throw up and everybody's got to accept all your stuff. <laughs> but it's like, can we be this place of encouragement? Do you want to be a place, do you want to be a body of encouragement for people? We will always be a hospital for the brokenhearted. That's what this, I mean, that is a predominant reason for this church. And when I say brokenhearted, I'm not just talking about people that are contemplating suicide or in the middle of a drug addiction or you just had an affair. I'm talking about you've been a believer your entire life. You make good money. Everything outwardly looks good, but inside you're just depressed. You're heartbroken. You, you, you have no sense of fulfillment in your life. Those people are brokenhearted too. This place, the way you cure brokenheartedness is to know God's love for you. The way you know God's love for you is you become so consumed with your understanding of what Jesus did for you. I personally believe as a pastoral philosophy is that if I teach you who you are, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you're supposed to do. And if you want to talk to me about what you're supposed to do, I'm, I'm more than willing. But I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do. You come to me, it's going to be questions. Well, where's this? You know, it, it, we're, going to, we're going to walk down a path of, of personal discovery for yourself. I mean, that, that's kind of what church is for me, as I've, I've, I, I see now after I've been doing this for like nine years. It's a gigantic counseling session <laughs> to bring you to a place of well, you know what? I really should trust God in this area of my life. And I can trust God because he's done something about who I am and I can implement this into my life. But as I was praying about today and as I was thinking about today, and I don't have like this nice bow to put on this other than to speak to the idea of encouragement. And people say, well, I don't have the gift of encouragement. Well, yeah, you do. <laughs> and it's not a gift. It's just, it's just what the body of Christ is called to do. Well, you know, I give people heavy news. Well, stop that. <laughs> you know, if your prophecy doesn't exhort or comfort or edify and bring people to the solution of Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Well, people know about Jesus. We should give them the details and the intricacies and the, how heaven works. Let me tell you how heaven works. Jesus. <laughs> But here, here's, here's the word that I was receiving today. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, after this series, Courtney's going to preach. And then I'm going to move into something that I think is, and this was kind of inspired by Mike back there 
Mike Crane, I messaged him. I said, you know, I want, I feel like there's some people that want to do some things in the community, in our church. What are you, you know, because of his experience in the community, I said, what are the, what are some of the things that you see in our community? And he said, family. Yes. Strengthen families, you strengthen the community. Right. I mean, that's basically what you said. Is that, is that right? And so, you know, I want to talk about family, and I don't really know what that exactly looks like, but we'll get there. So in thinking that way, in moving that direction, just to kind of get a feel for where people are, I posted on Facebook, I said, what, what's the one thing that you love, what's one thing that you love about your family? And it got a bunch of responses. But by, I mean, you know, hands down, the biggest response was, they love me unconditionally, and they stick with me no matter what. You know, it wasn't all of the little things that we think we need to be and do for each other. You know, not one person said they built the Taj Mahal in my backyard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some big, complicated, major thing. In fact, when I get people in for marriage counseling, and you have uh, one of the things that I'll do is it's like, you as the wife, you are to respect your husband, and you are to love your wife. Now, you, wife, tell me, what are the five things that make you feel loved? And you, husband, tell me the five things that cause you to feel respected. And it's like, all right, write those down and do them. And I'll see you in two weeks. In two weeks, sometimes people come back in and they're like, oh my gosh, it, this is a revolution. I, never, I thought that they were just supposed to know. <laughs> but it's okay to ask. And then I do those things and it worked. And then some people come back and they're like, yeah, well, I haven't quite got, or, or, you know, I did the first, or it, I, don't know that I'm, I don't know that I should have to tell him that. Shouldn't he know? That's not real. real. Communication is the root of relationship. But the unconditional love, and they stick with me no matter what. You know, do you have people in your life that you feel like will stick with you no matter what? Are there people where you are that person for them? You know what I mean? But again, I'm bringing this down to this is, this is kind of the word that I got for today. Are you someone that somebody will point to you and says, they'll stick with me no matter what? I don't mean in an unhealthy, codependent way where you're crossing boundaries and you're excusing their sinful behavior. I'm talking about where you... Even if they do come at you and bring, you know, you to a place where you got to deal with your stuff, but you know that they love you and you know that you can trust them and you know that they have your best interest in mind, are you that for anybody else? This is, this is, this is the question that I feel like God would ask us because I'm not asking you to all of a sudden make, you know, lifelong friends in this church. All I'm saying is that our agenda, our plan that God gave us of how to reach the world is our love for one another. And what makes people feel loved is they don't feel condemned. They just feel accepted. Doesn't mean you accept their sin. Doesn't mean you ex excuse their past. But can you look at that person? Like when you look at somebody that's hurt you, do you see the hurt or do you see the person that God loves to start with? You know, and here's, here's the, the, like, the final phrase that I feel like God gave me, and that is, do you fight for people? 
And do you have people that will fight for you? I don't mean people that you fight with. I mean people that will fight for you. Now, see, there, there's a big spectrum there because we all want that, right? I mean, if you were to go to war and whatever that war is, and I'm not talking about you get somebody on your side over your ex-husband. I'm not talking about you get somebody on your side over, you know, what that last church did to you, what your mama said or what this person's doing, right? I, I'm talking about, and that's part of understanding who you are in Christ is having healthy boundaries in place where you got the right people fighting for you. But, and I'm just going to have to trust God to kind of unfold this in a body like this. But I feel like that's the question that he's asking. You know, are you willing to fight for people? And, and I, I'm, I'm sensing that I'm feeling this strongly because I think what God wants to do with this body because of the message that we've been called to preach. You're going to get people that come to you and you're going to help them get set free from this performance-centered relationship with God. You're going to help people shed the hurts of their past and their fear of God. And you're going to have to walk with them through some pretty difficult things. You know, I hope you don't see yourself as somebody that just comes to church. You know what I mean? Now, like, you don't, you don't have the right as a believer to be somebody that just goes to church. You are called to preach the gospel and use words if necessary. You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like what God is doing is saying, you've laid the groundwork, you've, you've made it clear the gospel message that you're going to walk in, now it's time to realize that these are the people that you lean on. These are the people that you bear your heart with and link arms with because now you're going to look outwardly and you're going to start taking this message to, into your workplace, into your friends, into your family. And you're going to need to have these conversations. You're going to need to come back and say, you know what, I was trying to tell this person this and, and, it, and I got confused and I didn't know what to say and what, is, what does the Bible say about this? What, you know... And, and I, I'm, I'm open to any dialogue at all. And this is one of the reasons why we've got this Facebook group where we can have open dialogue and work out these kinds of things because we absolutely want to represent the Bible accurately, but we want to represent the Spirit of God and how He would bring it to people. You know, I want us to be a group of people that are so committed to following God that we have people that are supporting us and strengthening us and encouraging us as we go. Are you following me? You know, do you, do you want to be that for people? Well, I don't know. I think I just like coming in and hearing the music. That's okay. That, that's perfectly okay. I'm not talking about like some elite band of Christians. You know what I mean? I, I'm just not talking about that. I'm just talking about if you want to move into a place of where you, you, you're, you feel more connected, where you have a sense of accomplishment and a sense of purpose, it's not going to come from just doing the routine Christian thing. It's going to come from binding your heart with people, having people that you fight for, having people that will fight for you, and taking this message beyond your bubble. Even in areas where you don't have everything worked out. Well, I can't do that. I can't represent God there because I don't have this part. Now, that's true in some areas. In some areas, it's not true. 
One of the things that's supposed to happen as we gather together is encouragement. You know, when you leave here, make this commitment that you have engaged, because I promise you, I promise you, we will never bring messages that beat you up with the law. We will never bring messages that make you afraid of God. We will never bring messages that confuse you about who Christ is. We are just committed to helping you experience God's love for you because that is what brings you to a place of wholeness. Yes. Now, I am not, we are not going to create programs that then tell you who you're supposed to be. We're going to nurture you in your identity in Christ and then trust that the Holy Spirit will lead from there. Amen? Amen. And if you come in and you're like, hey, I think, I think we need to move this direction, then let's have a conversation. Don't just jump out and plan something. You know what I mean? You're free, but we want it to be organized, you know. <laughs> and let's have a conversation. And the purpose is going to be encouragement, right? So one last word on this. If you do participate in any form of ministry within this place, I have one requirement, two requirements, maybe three. <laughs> the end of it is you bring them to Jesus you don't play the Holy Spirit for them, right? And you leave them encouraged. You leave them lifted up. You leave them built up. Now, you might have to confront somebody with something. There might be somebody right in the middle of a mess, and you need to go to them and say, hey, you know, you, you, you really should, do you realize how you're affecting people here? Or some blatant, obvious, open thing that you have to address. But even still, it is the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. And if we have a philosophy of ministry, of ministry toward other people, because that's usually all that needs to happen. If somebody's violating somebody else's conscience or some rule's getting broken or somebody's hurting other people, the person that's doing the hurting needs to repent. They need to change their mind. They need to change the way they think. They need to change how they see themselves and they need to change how they see that person. But there is one thing that it says that causes repentance, and that is God's kindness. I challenge you, go look it up. There's lots that he says you should repent, you know, confess your sins one to another. And he's talking about, that, you know, we are to live a lifestyle of repentance, which is constantly changing the way that we think so that it's in alignment with what Jesus accomplished. But there's one thing that actually causes repentance. It's not judgment. It's kindness. The kindness of God brings people to repentance. And, and see, this is where you have to learn how to be an encourager. If you, wanna, if you see people in your life, especially the ones that are a little prickly that you're having difficulty with, either pray that God brings somebody to them or you find out a way to help them experience the kindness of God. Because the kindness of God is what's going to draw people to repentance. <laughs> The goodness of God draws people to repentance. I assure you, because of the way that we preach God here and the way that we preach the finished work of Christ, some major repentances. I wish I could share some of the testimonies that we've received in this place. They're, they're usually deep and personal, and not everybody's going to get up here and talk about something. You know, I mean, it's hard to get up and say something that you've been struggling with. You know, we, we like the testimonies of, hey, I was in Walmart and I prayed for somebody and their leg grew out. <laughs> I, I want those testimonies too, 
But what really impresses me is somebody stand up here and say, I've been struggling with this my entire life. And because I found out what Jesus paid for for me, my life is different now. I don't wake up with a sense of fear. I don't wake up with that sense of guilt anymore. I, I don't wake up thinking about this situation over and over and over. And see, what that does is when you come to a place of wholeness, then the, then the other stuff, it just comes as a byproduct. You just want to reach out and love on people. So, so maybe I'm putting a little bit more definition than I normally would on what kind of church this is and what we're going to be. You know, because people ask questions, they sit there and they're like, well, where are we going? Or Actually, nobody's ever come up to me and said, what are we doing? Maybe I'm just assuming that. But I have had people say that they think we should be doing this kind of program or that, and it's like, well, all right, let's have a conversation about that. But I want you to realize that there is zero expectation on you. I, I, I want to mirror the freedom that God gives you. What kind of freedom do you think God gives you once he sets you free in Christ? Now, I don't ever want it to happen where you're facing something in your life and what runs through your mind is, I wonder what Clint's going to think. Or I wonder what would happen at forward if I did this. You know what I mean? It's like, this. you don't wonder what the manager of Cracker Barrel thinks when you're getting ready to do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be in the place of your authoritarian. I don't want your experience here to be in the place of keeping tabs or keeping you on task. I want this to be a place where you come in and the only feeling and the only sense and the only reception that you get is what you would get if you saw God stand in front of you, and that is peace. Don't be afraid. You're safe. I love you. You're my child. You know? I want all of us to be committed to creating that environment or just, honestly just be yourself because you're, you know, a loving bunch of people. And are you willing to fight for people? Yes. I mean, it's even, this is even a little bit unusual message for me because I don't really know how to wrap it up. <laughs> I usually like this is what the word says and we're going to think this and we're going to go here. But let's just make the commitment to be encouragers. Amen. You know, it's not, it's not a place where you're finally going to get somewhere, you're free, you've committed to following Christ, you love the worship here, you are encouraged by being reminded of who you are in Christ. Now, in that kind of freedom, let's watch and see what kind of creativity comes out of your hearts and minds. Let's watch and see what types of ideas the Spirit of God gives you because you're not you know, burdened with some expectation that your church has on you, and you actually get to be free. Let's see what happens then. There's responsibility in that for you to respond to the call of God on your life. Amen? Amen. But it will always be encouraging. Y'all pinching that baby back there? What are you doing that way? <laughs> Father, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that you're a good father. We give you our hearts. We, we want to be known for, by our love. We want to be known by our love for one another. We want to be known by how we represent you in this earth. We want to show people who you really are 
because we have this personal relationship with you that we are sharing and expressing with each other, and we are going into the world, into our communities, into our jobs, into our neighbors' homes, inviting neighbors into our homes, and we're just showing them what you did for people through the cross and helping them experience freedom in you and strengthening them and encouraging them that you have good things in store for them. We are committed to being a body of encouragement. As you increase your kingdom and as you increase your church and as you nurture maturity through the body. Thank you for the finished work of Christ. Yeah, I mean, I just see like a web, like he's just knitting hearts. He's just knitting hearts together. Just let him lead you and guide you. You know, and if you're here today, maybe you've never received Christ. Maybe you've never said yes to him and you'd like to for the first time. Just wave your hand at me. Just lift up your hand. Let me see you. See, that, that's, that's another thing I want to see change in here. You know, I want you to be bringing people in that, uh, that don't know the Lord. You know, I don't, sometimes people hear this message and they're like, I can receive this, but this might be too challenging for my neighbor. You ever felt like that? Or it's like, I, I, I get it. I get the gospel, but man, I'm not sure that this person really is going to be able to receive that. Don't, don't think that. The gospel is pretty simple. And this is not some kind of church growth thing. All I think that's happening, and, and I know that a lot of you sense it as well, is God is saying, the world needs to hear the gospel. Sharpsburg, Coweta County, Fayette County needs to hear the gospel. Fayette County, need, there are people out there. There are great churches up and all, all up and just this road. I don't know how many there are. There's great churches. I'm not trying to say we're better than anybody else. But there are some people, they might be in Florida. They might be in Canada. They might be in Noonan. They might be back here off of whatever that road is right there, you know. <laughs> and they don't know that this place is here. Right. It's not about church growth. It's about those people finding a place where they can come in and find Christ. Those people coming in and being, a, you, might, you, you have neighbors that have no, they've never heard the gospel. I mean, that's one of my favorite testimonies. People come in and, and it's like, really? It's that simple? Why, no, why did no one ever tell me before that that's what Jesus actually did? You might be in that boat. Don't you want to be that brother?